Shall we do it? Let's do it. Um... Welcome to Music Video Land Podcast, put on by your pals, Doug and Adam from FilmedInsert.com. I am Adam, and with me, as always, is Mr. Douglas Klinger from Boynton Beach, Florida. How are you, Doug? Super good, Adam. How are you? Huh, excellent. Uh, great. Why so great? Why, why doing so excellently? I'm just feeling good. Feeling good. That's good. Off to a good start with that, then, because... As long as you're feeling good, then that means this show is going to be good. Yeah, I just I'd finished watching a lot of um, uh, Shaquille O'Neal music videos. I had completely forgotten that aspect of Shaquille O'Neal's life. But that is a show, that is a topic for another show when the basketball season starts. Uh, right now, you but it's a good, it's a it's a pretty good segue, however, based on um, a big, a large portion of our podcast guests' website is dedicated to a. Um, member of the Miami Heat currently is that right, Adam? That there is a thread there. That's right, because we are very happy to have a directing duo from a place that's very near where we both grew up, uh, Doug, in uh, Miami, Florida. Mayor Leva, um, that's Mayor slash Leva, and it is a directing duo made up of Jillian Mayer and Lucas Leva. Um, and this is an interesting podcast of our interview for a number of reasons. Number one, we actually went to Miami. We were, I was down there in Miami for 4th of July. We went down to Miami and actually sat in uh, at, a, at a cafe outdoors in the sweltering heat um, with Jillian and Lucas, and they were awesome and uh, had a conversation, which was a lot of fun. So we were very we were very forceful in that they were like, "Let's yeah, we'll do the we'll do the podcast over Skype." We're like, "No, we're coming to you. You don't have any choice in the matter. Sit outside with us." We'll order you waters. All the waters you could, all, all just waters for days. Everybody, waters, waters, more waters. Another round of waters. Um, now it was you, us. We'll leave that stuff in in there. No, I'll cut it out. But we ordered waters a lot, and we have it on tape. So, lucky us. So the audio will sound a little bit different, but um, this is the duo behind uh, a lot of pretty awesome music videos, including. One that we, I believe, we've talked about on the podcast before, but uh, but a, you know, I think about a year ago it came out and um, made a big splash, which splash, which is the gla- uh, video for Glazin by the Jacuzzi Boys. Um, and if you know images are popping up into your head, just think of vaginas dressed up as different things, being uh, manipulated by fishing wire to sing a song. We talk about their other videos too, but that's that's a big one. And we we may be I don't know if if they get into some some stuff that they uh, that that I'm not sure is out there um, in some information that I'm not sure is 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 if it's public it's not extremely public. So we're we're definitely gonna make it super public because we're a very popular podcast. And this podcast is free to anybody who wants to listen to it. Anybody. And so do it. So we don't discriminate, up. except you must be you must be at least five uh, five feet three inches. Anybody and under you that. must be at least and you must be at least five years old. Yes. Otherwise, uh, it's just a waste of bandwidth. You're wasting our money. Yeah, you stupid four-year-olds. Get off. Get off this podcast. Go away. Jesus. So sick of them. But anyway, uh, we, you know, we've been trying to do uh, topics, or we have been doing topics around around our interviews. We're getting better at that. Um, and we wanted to talk about a little bit about music video promotion. Because, uh, I mean, in the directors we talked to, that's kind of a thing that's skipped over. You know, they've got... You know, ton, you know, millions of views on on a video, um, and it's played on MTV or or, or another kind of, uh, you know, outlet that on the TV. MTV MTV dot com, MTV dot com or MTV Base. I'm learning a lot about the different MTVs, um, 
and uh, you know you wonder kind of how do they end up there you know for a lot of people they make it sound easy right um, but if you're a guy who's just creating a music video what do you do to actually go out there and promote it what are the different ways that people have been successful in promoting music videos yeah I guess that depending on what level um, you are there are more options available to you um, obviously if you are dealing with a, a big pop artist uh, I guess it's not so much the level of the director as it is the level of the of the artist and how much um, because like anything else um, on the internet in order to really get in front of people there has to be a little bit of money behind it in order to reach reach the truly broad audience I mean uh, Lil Wayne doesn't you wouldn't think need help promoting their video but however if you you know, log on, if, if Lil Wayne has a new music video out and you are watching a Vivo music video, um, there are tons of advertisements for, you know, that Lil Wayne video or, or that uh, Lady Gaga video, you know, despite how big the artist is, you know, that just means they put more money behind the promotion instead of less, you know what I mean? It's, it's not the, the fact that that artist has its own following, you know, doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to put more money behind them. Right. I think a, a good kind of analog to this is a story that I remember about the Talking Heads, which are a very popular band in the 70s and 80s, and they had a song called Burning Down the House, which you know, started off not doing very well, but ended up doing very, very well. Um, I think it was, sorry I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, it was a very popular song, got a lot of radio uh, airplay eventually, and um, David Byrne, the lead singer and songwriter of the Talking Heads, was obviously very happy about that um, and thought that this thing had kind of grown organically. It wasn't until years later that he found out from his record company that they had poured just tons of money into the promotion of this song to get it uh, to get it popular and get it airplay. And it shows, you know, at that time they were an established band. They, I mean, they were having some problems, but um, it just goes to show you that there are, you know, even things that are from popular artists or have a popular director, they need that extra push of promotion. It needs to get out there somehow. So maybe we can start talking about the actual channels uh, of, of promotion. And I, th I think one of the things that I've, I've learned recently is, as we may have mentioned, is that MTV still does play music videos sometimes. Um, I don't have cable, so I can't really check. Uh, and they definitely the, not definitely not during any prime time hours. Of course, yeah. But they do have the other MTV channels. They have you know like ESPN has a million ESPN sub channels. MTV has that. And so I did a little bit of research on figuring out like if you are a music video director and you don't have like a like you know like a pr promotion company that is you know repping your videos out there. What do you like? How do you get them on MTV or how do you get them in front of MTV's eyes? And, uh, yeah, there's. Besides, uh, of course, emailing them directly, which I'm sure is a tactic that a lot of uh, directors and artists still will try to use and and uh, and encounter. Um, well, that is actually like you can't. There's no mtv.com/slash/submit-your-music-video. There's no well, that's, form that's, you can fill out. You have to find. You'd have to find some sort of, uh, you know, you'd have to get a contact of some kind of, you know, program manager or. or well, hold on, hold on. Involved. I did some research on this, and everybody okay. says that. That um, in multiple sources, there's no really canonical one. And actually, this is one of the few instances where um, what's that website? Uh, howdoi.com or whatever. You know, when you search for something, how do I do something? It always comes e up. Ehow. Ehow. Yeah. It's like how to mail a package. We'll put a stamp on it. Yeah. Put it in the mailbox. Uh, it's like eight steps <laughs> on how to mail a package. Yeah, this is like the of, best. A lot of forum posts and things like that talk about email. Actually, emailing MTV and they send you a form um, because. I think one of the definite reasons behind this is that they have to take it in a certain format. They, you can't just send them like a DVD. Um, it has to be in a broadcast quality format. It needs to be closed captioned now as well. Um, they will not do that for you. So all these different services have sprung up, um, like uh, musicvideosubmissions.com, trendsettermarketing.com.net, sorry, which seems to be everywhere. Uh, which act as sort of a, uh, you know, you buy a package from them and they'll submit them to, you know, MTV and VH1 and all that all that stuff. They've got a direct relationship with them. But to me, that sounds like the same people who are like, 
I will submit your website to 600 different <laughs> search engines to make sure that you're in front of the Googles and the Facebooks and the YouTubes. Like that sounds like, you know, somebody who is those services to me. No, I don't know them very well and I've never tried them out, but they sound like to me somebody who is just like offering to do something for money that you could do on your own with just a little bit of, of research or something like that. I mean, I don't, I don't think they're I don't think those relationships that they have with MTV are going to get you you know any more or less of an opportunity. It's it's still going to be based on the quality of your video. Correct. And I have actually tried a service like this, not for music videos, but for um iTunes uh for music. Um because obviously, you know, iTunes doesn't have a you know, a form also where, you know, the thing is that they'd be kind of inundated with, you know, bands and, and you know, kind of the same thing with MTV. They'd be inundated by people make, you know, tons of people making music videos that they don't really want to sift through. Um, so I went with a service called TuneCore, and this is for a, a soundtrack of a project that I worked on to get on to iTunes. And you basically pay them a premium to kind of handle that all for you. Like this uh, Rive music video promotion. Um, well, uh, you know, it's like $75 delivery to MTV, 60 cost of digital, $60 digital delivery, $15 paperwork, and then they charge $99 for the closed captioning. And they, you know, roll off the correct format and all that. But it also is, uh, on a technical end, um, there is this content delivery system called the Digital Media Distribution System, which is sort of this network that, like, you know, TV networks and, um, like the Grammy Awards and the June Awards and all that, all used to kind of float around videos, and it's like a standardized format. So instead of you know shipping a you know a beta SP to MTV, that they go on this digital media distribution service, and they have like a subscription to this. So you you get a little bit for that that money, but you know that's this is on the this is on the very very DIY end. I think. It's yeah. Let's so let's move let's move up a little bit. Where are some of some other places that you've seen? kind of you know promotion or, or advertisement or or even just press about about music videos what, what other ways have you seen it if if you're if you're a little bit further along in the in the spectrum of, of artist or director well I think the next level is the is the actual promotion part of it right I mean uh, there are all sorts of outlets of where you will come across of uh, content um, music and sometimes music video content and I think the big ones are um, blogs, and well, let's let's go over the online ones all, that you can you can get on like blogs, um, sort of featured areas of different websites, and, you know websites like YouTube, YouTube and Vivo, and then also a lot of these companies they offer a submission to things like um, digital. Here, let me pull up. Uh, here we go. The different places you can get your music videos. Are submitted to. Um, one of them is retail. So if you ever go into like Journeys or Foot Locker or American Eagle or Hot Topic, they have a closed circuit television and they accept submissions for music videos to play on that. And like uh, don't forget, don't forget bowling alleys and exactly, yeah. horrible bars that will often. Uh, I try look out on the Film Dinser Twitter account. If I'm ever at a really shitty bar and suddenly it's like, oh look, a Hero Mariah music video here at this shitty bar, uh, I will I will definitely twitpick that music video and you you guys will see it, which is like what it's all about. So. Um, yeah. Do look out for that, but yeah, they, yeah, you, you see, you do see it a lot on these closed, closed circuit networks and and uh, and that kind of thing that just replay music videos. I was actually once at uh, at the Boynton Beach Mall, represent, and um, <laughs> they have a service where in the food court, while you're eating your horrible Sabero's pizza or your Taco Bell uh, or Popeye's chicken and whichever or all three, like me, um, you they have uh, music videos playing on the TV. And on your table, there's like six or seven music videos listed on a card, and you can te you could text a number, and pick <laughs> between those seven music videos. Like, text your favorite, and we'll play it next on the closed circuit TV. Except the thing is, it's like three Nicki Minaj videos and like a Drake <laughs> music video, and then three Little Wayne f featuring Drake music videos. Like, there's it's not a very wide selection of music videos, but uh, but you do see that. It, it, so so you're saying that these um. These services, uh, that's that's part of where they're going to get your video. It sounds like they're not offering that up to the normal crowd. It sounds well, like only actually, Nicki Minaj is getting that. 
Yeah, I guess well they'll submit it for for a fee, of course. But whether you get, to, um, I mean, whether anybody wants to see a music video of an artist, yeah, they have no clue you, of whether yeah. you've reached the Boynton Beach Mall <laughs> standards or the the Don Carter's bowling alley, well, that's another story. And then the other part is the social media part, which may, we we probably can speak to a little bit more knowledgeably. Um, and I, I, I we'll put this link in the show notes, but there's this website. Uh, trendsettermarketing.net under what we do they've got four kind of categories broadcast television social media online features and closed circuit and on under social media they say looking to get traction for your video on youtube facebook and twitter videos don't go viral by accident they have teams like ours behind them to give give them a push and the first video you see when they open their site and they list as a client is gochier featuring kimbra Somebody that I used to know, which, as we all know, is maybe one of the largest viral music videos of the year. So there's, and this is where it gets a little bit gray, right? I mean, you know about this, Doug. You know about the the buying the likes, buying the views on YouTube, all this kind of stuff. Well, there, yeah, and there is a benefit in that because if you get to a certain number of views, you know, you'll you you'll end up on, you know, the maybe the first page of YouTube, or maybe you know, with it, they have these pages that are like top ten music videos from America today within the last 24 <laughs> hours and if you but but those you know those pages still get millions of hits a day and they highlight your videos and so um uh you know if you get in if you get in front of and 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 also you know there'll be promoted videos and and related videos and the more views you have the higher the likelihood you have to end up in those spaces so if you artificially you know pay for a quarter million views and then all of a sudden that you know gets your music video on the first page of YouTube you know those next two million because they're just from the people who saw your video on the home page although those are natural views you you kind of reach that audience in an, in an, a little bit of an unnatural way and, and there's a ways you can kind of look because YouTube will show you the number of views and when they came you know you could just hit stats so you could hit stats on a video and you'll see like you know eight views a day and then one day they got 30,000 views. And then, you know, you know, sometimes because sometimes it doesn't work and they'll have that one 30,000 view day and then eight views a day afterwards. You know, it, there's no residual benefit from it. So it's like a hit and miss kind of thing. But I don't know how that stuff works, though. Like, is it just like a bunch of dudes like on a boat just hit and refresh every four minutes on your video? Just like some guy has watched your video, uh, you know, 100,000 times or because I don't know how that works. Like somebody somebody's cracked into the the YouTube algorithm to, to make that work. But but Vivo has a Vivo has their one way ticket to that spot, you know, by having related videos to their own and they have that kind of link where, you know, they'll all the Vivo accounts follow the other Vivo accounts. So if you look at one Vivo account, you're seeing all these other Vivo music videos and they kind of feed into each other that way. So Vivo's kind of got a lock on that, which um which could kind of bring us to uh, a point that I think you wanted to make about Vivo and YouTube and their relationship. Did I want to make a point? I guess it fits into this because uh, we were just talking. Well, I don't know. This may be a, a topic for another podcast. Um, okay, so fuck it. I didn't say that <laughs> shit. What I do want to say then is uh, um, there's one little little piece that I do want to get into that could get us into our interview, and I think that is ways that uh, artists and directors have kind of built folklore around their videos in order to kind of build a little buzz about them, and I think. Uh, you know, one example of that was from a few weeks ago. We had um, Daniels on the podcast, and they they acted like their Tenacious D video, which the whole video is like looks like a rough cut. Some of the effects aren't fully in there and stuff. And they acted like their video got stolen and posted on some like Russian YouTube a few days early. And even from the Tenacious D Facebook account, they're like, the directors need to apologize immediately, et cetera, et cetera. And then the video came out, and it was clear that that was just kind of like a like a stunt to put some folklore around the video. And I think that um, our, our interview today gets into a bit on that subject as well. Because I, I, I can't speak for both of us, Doug, but I always get fooled by those. Like when I saw Daniel say, you know, like the directors are mad at us or that Tenacious D is mad at us. I was like, oh, no, they're mad at them. What are we going to do? Um, yeah, no, I loved I love Tenacious D and Daniels. How do we choose sides? It's It's funny, though, because like – you would think like, oh, well, Tenacious D, if if there was really a rift between Daniels and Tenacious D, they would never turn to social media to, <laughs> to, to clear their differences. But like that happens all the time where artists like just just air their grievances over Twitter and Facebook. There's no like 
behind closed doors conversations anymore. So I, I, I believe him sometimes too, for sure. I definitely believed Glazen. That's for sure. Definitely. Because when that came out, it was... I guess we should give just a little... Because we're going to talk about a few different videos. Um, and also, Jillian does... Uh, Jillian Meyer does... Or Mayer does uh, art installations as well in Miami. So we're going to talk, talk about a wide range of topics. But um, we should mention that... When the, so what happened was this video appeared on Vimeo originally, uh, I believe. Or it was on YouTube, but it was almost immediately taken down because it's a very, very graphic video. And... Uh, basically what was in the comment section was what was thought to be a message from the people who made it and they they said they were uh, six girls and one tiny dog who love jacuzzi boys and they said they're all over 18 um and then they said that they made this video on their own and then they sent it to jacuzzi boys the the people who make the song and then jacuzzi boys sent this you know message back that jacuzzi the people who made this music video posted in the comment or in the description saying, you know, this is so insane and beautiful. We're speechless. This is the coolest thing a fan has ever done. Um, we're absolutely down to make this public where we'll now call this the official video for Glazen. And it seemed really real um, for a long time. And a video came down uh, and you couldn't see it for a while. Until- the label also, the label also started to disown it. Right, exactly. This is the Publicly. official label saying this is not the official video, dude. Like you know, taking down all these you know all these versions of the video. So then we didn't really know. Then we, we eventually found out that the people who were actually behind it were this directing duo, Julian Mayer and Lucas Leva, and um, we came into the interview with some because there was you know on their website jacuzzigals.com, which we'll link to on the show notes. They mentioned like the video was hosted on the same servers that, uh, what is it, the Pirate? No, the uh, WikiLeaks is hosted. Yeah, they're like WikiLeaks and Nambla, <laughs> Nambla.com. And they also said, so e- even though that we found out that they were they were behind it and, and they weren't just UM students and, and they were actually, you know, artists and filmmakers, it also said on their website that they do interviews in character. So we were so afraid that <laughs> just like it was partially because it was an uh, uh, in-person interview with both of us, which was the first time we've done that. And also we suck at stuff. And so like we're like, oh, no, they're going to be. They're gonna be in character, and this is gonna be like we're gonna we're gonna be so tongue tied, and uh, it wasn't that. So gr- kudos to life. And you should also before the video maybe take a look at um, it's around you by Awesome New Republic and Light Bulb by Rachel Goodrich, which are two other videos that we discuss. So without further ado, here is our interview in public in a on a street corner. On a street cafe in Miami, so please excuse the extraneous noise, with um, directing duo Jillian Mayer and Lucas Leva. Slava, I'm here in Miami, and I'm a writer, and with Jillian, we make music videos and other videos together, as Mayor Leva, I guess, or at least that's her website, and I, that's what Well, the directing, the directing duo is, is big, a lot of, like, Daniels and, uh, and a few other things. When did you guys start calling yourselves, you know, as a duo, or building yourselves as a duo? Um... I guess after we made our first short film that someone liked, yeah. we were all of a sudden a directorial team. Um, not really good at ending sentences. <laughs> they usually just kind of hang. That's good. No, we we live that life. Yeah, we live the life. Into our podcast for sure. Yeah, that's, that's one of our things. Um, what, uh, what's the as as highlighted right here in this weird exchange. Um, what, how, does the, uh, how does the relationship between the two of you break down? Is it, um, you know, kind of, you just fill in each other's gaps or, you know, does one wear a certain hat at certain times? How does that all work? I think the first one, we fill in each other's gaps. And for specific projects, like we're from different backgrounds. She's a visual artist, her own she was before she ever made any film things. And I 
was a playwright before, so at least like for short films or narrative stuff, I generally write it and then she kind of designs it and then we sort of direct together because neither of us went to film school really knows what we're doing. So we're kind of like learning to make films with each other. Um, but in terms of music videos, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, we, we, yeah, we both looking at but sometimes like because of the restraints of doing everything for tiny budgets and like uh, minimal crew, like one person will be off doing one thing, so we trust the other one to just be there. And you guys have a sort of, I don't know, what do you call it, a conglomerate? It's probably the wrong word. And I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Borsch Corporation. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Um, we pr also pronounce things wrong all the time on this show. <laughs> it's a big it's one word, of our right. hallmarks. Yeah. Um, and you, you have the the um, corporation or the film festival. Could you explain, you know, how that how you guys tie into that, that and you know what your role is in, in, in that entity? Um, Borsch is kind of difficult to explain because it's a film festival, but it's also a production company, but it's also like a film commissioning entity. Like we give grants to local filmmakers, so. The way it all works is we're funded by uh, grants, we're like a nonprofit, and uh, we give money to local filmmakers to make projects, but we also like have a core group of filmmakers that helps out in the creation of these things, and we all kind of make our own projects. And then we screen them at a big free festival every year in Miami, and um, then we submit them to other, other places. Uh, you know, around other film festivals, because at, at our local festival it's like, um, the way we work, we're kind of part of like the administrative team as well, so yeah, it's different from a regular film festival in that we make a lot of the films we end up showing and it's all run by filmmakers. Um, and then, so is it you guys running the actual film, film festival? It, there's a group of us, but yeah. it's, we're some of them, yeah. And I, I was going to say that I read on your site that... Uh, so if somebody's rejected from the film festival, you guys will actually tell them why and talk to them. Is yeah. that true? If they want to know. Really? That's because that's reading through a lot of film festival websites. Like that's like a very uh, rare thing. Have you guys had a lot of people take you up on that offer? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Really? Um, cool. And the people that actually like want. I mean, it's just our opinions. Like I told you at the beginning, we don't know what we're doing, but we have our. We do it a certain way, so we're not even to tell them like the right way or wrong way to do things, but we always have suggestions and ideas for how we would do it. And so some people will take us up on that and then they end up actually like the next year coming back and getting a commission or like working on other projects. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's neat. Because our, our main goal, like, and the reason we're nonprofit and get grant funding is that we want to grow like the local film community down here um, and sort of build like start our community. I think like it's it's happening in Berlin. There's like a lot of talented people down here that are not just moving to LA and New York as they have. There are like big guys like you know Barry Jenkins is the world who like grew up here but moved away. Now some are saying and doing cool stuff. So. And do you think that there's like a, something specific about the film that's being made and coming out of, of Miami or do you think it's just like another place that it's it's being done at? Miami's a really weird place. So and it's also for the first time you know, in, in previous, it's a very new city, and in previous generations it was defined by where you came from to be here. It was a transient city. So there wasn't really a Miami culture. There, were, there was Cuban culture. There was, uh, you know, the, the New Yorkers who moved down. There were Brazilians. But now for the first time, people like me and Jillian, whose parents came from other countries, uh, but we grew up here. So we're starting to define what it is to be a Miamian and if Miami has a specific culture. And so for the first time, that's, I feel like there's a lot of material in there to make films and to make like creative things. And it's exciting, you know, everyone wants to be a part of defining what, you know, you have an idea of what a New Yorker is in your head, right? Like, an idea of what San Francisco is. Miami, for the most part, was defined as this, like, pretty backdrop, but now, I don't know, maybe it has the opportunity for more, or maybe not, but that's what the films are exploring, I think. Um, so, Jillian, you've done a lot of other things other than music videos, like art installations, um, short, you know, narrative films. What is it about like the music video uh, format that interests you as like an art form? Um, I like making music videos because I feel that everyone has a lot of different um, little items that inspire or interest you, and maybe they don't fit into whatever larger body. I feel that maybe that everyone is inspired or are interested in lots of different visual things or concepts and maybe the, the body of work for someone like um, 
is kind of like a fine artist. It maybe those ideas don't really play into their other work, but um, music videos are really great because they're kind of like little vignettes for you to explore and experiment um, other concepts that might bridge out into uh, grander, longer projects. So. For me, music videos are really like a testing ground, and it's also nice to collaborate with people that you possibly didn't know before, or that already have some, um, like base, like the song being their piece of work that they've been refining and mastering and developing for so long, and then this is like, it's, it could be this precious object that they're now handing over to you, and seeing how you interpret it, and I kind of like that experimental three-minute format. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the stuff that you do, it, it um, you mentioned, like, you know, a lot of the videos that you guys done and a lot of the work that you've done, it's, it's, it's initially for, like, the art, art community. And, you know, music videos are usually the type of media that's for mass appeal. Do you think that, you know, is that something that you guys take into consideration when, when working on not just a music video but an art piece in general, whether or not it's going to pick up mass appeal, or are you always first making stuff for that art community? I think that we're generally making work for ourselves and I hope that most people are and I hope that we continue to do so but definitely um, a, um, like a, a range of viewers is definitely considered when a particular piece is designed. Some are, some are kind of crafted to have this viral appeal where others are more intimate pieces. So I think it all just depends on the project and the concept and whatever things we're researching at that time and where our mind's going with peace. Yeah, but that is part of the fun, like trying to, like there, there's no scientific uh, method to make something more viral than others, but it's fun to kind of like push it towards that direction, um, especially if there's something like subversive beneath, like whatever the veneer is that makes it viral, um, that's fun to think about. You guys have had a lot of success with viral videos, I guess for lack of a better term. Um, and we want to talk about a few of your videos specifically. And the first one is the Rachel Goodrich light bulb video, um, which is one that we really, really enjoy. And um, you know, when we were watching that, we were wondering, um, it's one of those videos where you're kind of wondering how the process of making it went, where you found those people, because they seem like you're, you're it's very has a very realistic quality to it. I mean, you, I, did you guys just go into a community and find people that fit the bill of what you're looking for? No, they were all friends of ours. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, except for the little kids. They showed up and they were ruining shots by, by like <laughs> shouting like, we would all day, all day. So we were like, oh, you guys want to be in it? And so we taught them like parts of the song. But um, I, the, the the thug character is, is a guy I went to high school with and his friends. Um, the booty shaking girl is a friend of ours. Uh, who else is in that? I think I'm in it in one, like... I was in it, but we got, I got cut got out. Cut. Oh, <laughs> I looked <no>. too sweet. <laughs> it didn't look right. Well, um, it's, it's funny, because the kids, I think there was one reviewer who was, like, picking up on the kids as an element of, like, lost innocence and things like yeah. that, when that was something that just kind of happened. But, yes. Yeah. Um, that is them. They weren't acting. Like, yeah. yeah. And Which added, like, that layer of meaning to it, where it's like, oh, these... Um, and how, did they like the song? Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone likes Rachel Goodrich. You gotta be kind of like a sick person to like <laughs> not be into happiness yeah. and joy. She's like, sweet. if you hate happiness, you will hate her music. And how did you guys pitch that concept initially to her? We didn't. It wasn't an official video. There was a. We had actually never made music videos before that one, and it was like a contest sponsored by Sweat Records. Which, if you guys are hanging around, my I don't know if you've ever been there, but you guys should definitely check it out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it was just like trying to do a video for Rachel, and there were like 50-something entries, and they all were like happy, whatever, and it was Julian's idea like to, to make, like basically do a hip-hop, like gutter street video, like inspired by like the little boozy we out I don't know if you guys have seen yeah, that, yeah, I love yeah. that video, but like that, that was like our inspiration for it, and then... And it didn't win, actually. It like it got second place, but then later on, Rachel's when she was releasing the album, they asked if it could be like the official video. So it wasn't originally intended to be the official video, but then like after the after the after it made it was yeah. adopted. Now that's that's kind of um, how the Jacuzzi Girls or excuse me, J Jacuzzi Boys Glazing video was at least originally built. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, according to uh, you know, according to the, your Vimeo page, it was. Um, 
actually commissioned by the band and stuff. Now, can, can you guys, uh, or at least like in, influenced by the band, were you, uh, can you guys kind of clear the air of like exactly how that okay, went down? That's exactly what happened. Tracy Boys were, well, Danny, the bassist, is a friend of ours, and uh, when they were coming out with a new album, I like, oh, do you guys want to do a video for it? And then we listened to the album, we liked plays, and so we had this idea of the, you know, the vagina puppets. Um, like, oh, we're going to do it. It's like, oh, let me see if I can get you guys some money from the record label. The record label, Hardly Art, which is owned by Sub Pop, owned by Warner, but they're indie, quote unquote. They, um, they gave us like a tiny sum of money, like not really like a budget, but they gave us like, it's like embarrassing to even say the actual sum, um, to just like cover costs of materials or whatever. So then we made the video. And as we were making it, we were like, oh, this might be fun, like, to not release it as us, but, like, to make up these personas of the different girls. And then put it different YouTube accounts, a Twitter account, like, do all interviews, like, as them, which we ended up doing some of them. Um, so we released it. Oh, no, as we were going to release it, Van loves it. Oh, before we had done it, we had even sent, like, a list of the vaginas we were going to do, all this and that. Um, you mean, like, the characters, not yeah, the, the people characters. playing them. Right. No, no, right, not right, the people right. playing them. Um, <laughs> Headshots, in case you were yeah. aware of these vaginas it already. The, it was the vaginas of the people playing. <laughs> right. <laughs> LeBron James Ronald vagina. Okay. He's got one. Um, everything was cool, but then once they saw the cut of the video, the record label decided that it um, they couldn't do it. They couldn't release it because they said that they were afraid that George Lucas was going to sue them for the job of the vagina. They weren't okay with the Lord of the Rings vagina. And so then there was like this epic like email exchange where I would like try to explain satire and fair use <laughs> and that they would not have it. We made a flow chart at one point why they were being assholes. Like, and they didn't. So we ended up um, just leaking it, just releasing it, because right. they wanted us to cut like the parts that we thought were some of the funny, funniest ones. They, they even wanted us to cut the LeBron James vagina, which it's just a black dude. Like, it was a black dude yeah. with a basketball, and I'm like, yeah, the LeBron one has to go. And I'm like, I'm like, y'all are racist. <laughs> How do you know who's who? Yeah, but um, so we we leaked it, and then it went like crazy in the first like. So of course it got taken down from YouTube, whatever. But uh, we had okayed it with Vimeo beforehand. And Vimeo is like more open to like artistic expression and all that. Um, but then Hardly Art, the record label, would send cease and desist letters to anyone who was hosting it, including us. We got like cease and desist letters. Um, and even like we were like, look, we're gonna, we'll give you your money back. We'll just say it's a fan video. We'll, like, free, we'll sign anything that says like you're not responsible. They weren't about it. Even uh, the lead singer of the band's Facebook account got frozen because he uploaded the video. But by then it was too late because we had put a download link in the YouTube. So it was all over the torrents, all over everywhere, and it keeps getting uploaded. And for a moment, for a period, we were told that they uh, they had an intern whose only job it was to look at that video online and send cease and desist letters. That's so sad. But then we made our own website, which for legal purposes we had to host on the same host that uh, it's in Norway. It's where WikiLeaks and like um, what uh, Nambla's website is hosted. Like they just don't. <laughs> so that stuff is true. Like the Jacuzzi Gals portion, that's like folklore we kind of like. Up, yeah, and then, but the the fact that it's having to be hosted on WikiLeaks and all of the yeah, yeah, anger sucks. from the from the label, that's that's yeah. actually true. So and it that, sucks. Yeah. Uh, it does suck. But <laughs> I guess you could add to it a little bit too. It adds a little bit to it's the. It's just hard to feel. go through the story and. To get it out, and people know that there's confusion with it. It was actually played at South by Southwest, but they didn't have it in the music videos. They put it in one of the short film segments because there was like a, it was it was like a particular matter of was it really a music video if the label is trying to fight it yeah. its existence right. yet they commissioned it. And even then, you'll know some some places we have it spelled like the A or at signs. Right, that's right. to evade the uh, that's to evade their interns that, that are doing Google alerts. So. Now, when you guys made that video, because there's the reaction I've heard, and you have the quote from Joseph Kahn saying it ruined vaginas for him. Yeah. And the reaction from people I like showed it to you and talked to you about it was is it largely along those lines? Some, somebody even said it ruined uh, fishing line for them, <laughs> which is weird. I don't know. Yeah, that's how. awesome. I didn't hear that one. That's an <laughs> interesting one. Right? When you guys set out to make it, was it was did you originally have the intention of, of making it? in that way or is it was there an element that was supposed to be kind of like a sexually appealing about it no well i mean miami already has a, a huge market that needs to make like everything sexualized you could have a sexy chair here 
a sexy dolphin. I mean, the, I think it was the opposite for us. It was, if it's just such the focus of it, that it kind of loses its sexuality. It's just a, I wanted it to be kind of funny, yeah. kind of gross. And I mean, body I, parts are funny. Like, nudity is funny. <laughs> a lot of our works, our music videos have some nudity in it. And I don't, I'm not, I don't believe that we should have it, we should hold it as the high regard in which we do for like sexual content. I think, I think everyone gets naked every now and then. And I don't understand what the big deal is. Uh, also, like a lot, like the song is very innocent. Like you know, it's just like about some like being in love, and you feel like it's really young. And like a lot of one of the feelings she talked about having, like you'll notice there's a lot of like early '90s like cartoon references in there. It's like that's around the time, at least for us, like you guys too. Like we were first beginning to feel like weird sexual feelings. It's like bringing it back to that place where like, oh, it's it's Crumb from Ariel Monsters, but it's also like, what what do I do with this? My first boner. What am I supposed to do with it? Like, and so that weird like kind of. Uh, mental state really I don't know where it is there's something innocent but also gross about it and just funny looking back so that's kind of what we wanted and was there any criteria for the characters you didn't mention you had a list um, was there any criteria for selecting those or coming up with those it was the ones we thought would make the, the best vagina <laughs> model like we needed a yeah I think I think pretty much all of them made it did we cut anyone out that you can think some, of some I think we would just forget. Like Godzilla. Then we were like, oh, yeah, Godzilla looks a lot like this one we've already made, or the Dracula one looks too much like whatever the demon one would look like. Um, you know, it's a particular medium, vagina puppetry. So, like, after a while, everything starts looking alike, and we start getting grossed out. After a while, we were just... I'm like, all right, that's good. Let's go. Yeah. And the the girls that did it were really awesome. They're all our friends. My dog makes a cameo in the music video as well. Great cameo. Yeah. Was there was there any like um like logistically did it like was there any concern that it wouldn't work or like that it wouldn't? Yeah, I guess the only way you want to put it. <laughs> we didn't do a pretest. No. So. I think I usually don't do pretests. I just really assume it's going to work in one way or another. Right. And I was very lucky that it, everything held. I think the first couple, we it was broken up over three days, that shoot. Um, the first day took a while to prep because we were figuring out the little intricacies of latex fishing wire and fishnet stockings on your friends. Um, yeah. And it was super awkward at first. But later at first on. we were a little weird. But then, understandable. But then yeah. by the end, like the girls were all like, "Hey, does this look right?" And like showing each other, and we're just like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> oh, or like one of the girls, she would, uh, she was right-handed, and the way she would do the renderings, they'd always come up upside down compared to the other ones. <laughs> I don't know. And I just felt like a huge creep, like shooting out this VHS camera, and, like. Yeah, yeah that's the other the, the the look of it. I mean, the, the medium you guys chose for it added to the whole folklore thing because yeah. I think well, initially when it when it leaked I think everybody pretty much bought it as that as that I think some, some people definitely do buy it. I mean we were having a hard time kind of separating we're like no nah, that Namble thing can't be like that even exists as a thing yeah what what um when you said you did interviews in character what what did that mean? Like, were you acting like you UM students, or what? How yeah, did that the, work? the six girls. Yeah, six girls. They shot it at their friend's house. One of the girls uh, lives off campus. Uh, each girl, we knew what they were studying at UM. Uh, they were not drunk. Yeah, we went in depth to make it. <laughs> they just—they don't understand what the big deal is and why everyone's creating such a fuss, and they totally love the Jacuzzi Boys. That's it. They just love the Jacuzzi. Yeah, yeah. those are the main points to hit. There you go. Yeah. Um, Strong points. We, we also wanted to talk about the awesome New Republic video. It's around you, um, because I don't know. I, Doug and I grew up in South Florida like you guys did, and was like the kind of looming constant threat especially as kids of like hurricanes and things like that and I don't know something about that imagery especially the, the two of them the guy in front of the hurricane map brought me back to like channel 7 uh, news like maps in, in the 90s and the guy with the garden hose I don't know I think oh, that's every, my dad oh, that's your dad okay yeah I, for some reason every neighborhood around here has a guy with a garden hose that thinks, you know water his lawn like that um, so I was really interested to hear about the um, 
genesis of the idea of that video? Because um, I understand it was shot during Hurricane Irene. Did you guys just have kind of hurricane, hurricane imagery on the mind during that because of that whole scene? Yeah, and, and the song is like that whole album in our came out with Stay Kids is like kind of about the great flood that comes over takes Miami and storms it's a lot of like weather imagery and that was just like a lot of the visual things were Jillian's kind of interpretation of like you know in a silly fun performative way like of hurricanes and those memories and, and it feels yeah. like there's a lot of like art installation uh, and, uh, influence on that with like you know the projection and things like that would your work in other areas kind of influence the imagery for that video Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was, a, that was a yes or no question. That's interview 101. Um, and is there any sort of inf the, the uh, what do you call it, the life vest kind of reminded me of like Elian Gonzalez and that kind of whole thing. Was that ever an influence for you guys? I mean, I grew up hearing like all the Elian stuff, but more so it was the hurricanes in general that got us on that that got us on that music video. Uh, I remember when I was listening to the song over and over and over and over and we were kind of just trying to develop different ideas. I think I was driving to my father's house and it was pouring and I just thought it would be really great to have a girl like kind of like sad but like sitting down and just like water dunking her. And I think that's how some of the, then it, like I was talking to Lucas about it and that's how some of the, the scene where it's that, that kind of like um, overhead wood system with the girls pulling on the buckets. That's where that kind of came around from that. And um, I really like when it's uh, very dark and the girls are being whooshed around, the bathing suit people, and it's like um, very dark. Um, it's kind of, I just like how you don't know what's under, like basically what's underwater and what's not, or what's above or not. Like, you know when you are little and you get um, swept under in the current or in a wave and you don't know where you are? I think that music video has that kind of feeling. That's what you're going for, and it worked. Yeah, you even have like the actual like kind of shots of that idea of the when the band is kind of singing, with the, uh, sinking with the lyrics and the water kind of coming over their head and, and stuff. Um, I wonder what what was the uh, was was did you use your dad for the hose shot just cause, for like because he was available or was there a, uh, something more behind using your dad in that shot? Uh, my father, we actually wanted him to play kind of like the the evil corporate uh, like BP kind of guy mm -hmm. um, and he he kind of looks like that and also uh, he's, a tango dancer. he's also a tango dancer um, so we wanted him to be like tangoing with the hose um, I don't know we didn't really use yeah, that much that dance much footage but more just him acting but like we have character. like some some footage of him like doing full-on tango with the garden nice. we kept complaining that the Pose was not a great dancer, <laughs> and it didn't really help exemplify his skills. His and, ability. Yeah. So we've talked to you know music video directors, obviously from like LA, New York, um, recently Toronto, and you know being you know from you know from Florida and kind of growing up here, really interested in the you know the music video scene for lack of a better term down here. Um, you know you mentioned you know having. You know, a certain culture coming from Miami. Do you see music videos playing any sort of part in that, or a large part? Is there is there a community down here making music videos, or is it more a part of a larger art collective? Well, there's, I mean, there's a big commercial stuff, like Maybach music videos, like all that stuff, uh, 305 films, and um, same escapes me now, now, but like... Dre films, is that Yeah, Dre Maybach? films, like all those guys, and I think... Uh, I can remember his name. The guy who did the hustling video. Um, we should be the guys who know that. Yeah. We currently he did the are hustling not. video, and he like he does a lot of sort of videos. But I thought the hustling video was like one of the first times in mainstream like music video land where a different side of Miami was shown, and like that was pretty neat. But yeah, there's definitely like this that upper stratosphere making the stuff for Drake and Rick Ross and all them. But then there's like. There are some, I mean, my, one of my favorite music video directors is a local guy named Julian Yuri Rodriguez. He just like pops him out every week. And he like, um, he finds like weird little spots in Miami that no one else would ever have access to. It just makes rap videos there. They're super interesting. Um, and then there's uh, George Ribeira, who's also in a band, like makes videos. 
So there's pe- yeah, there's local people. Doing yeah, it, yeah. Unlike our like you know, a little underground indie level. You never know. You could be going for Rick Ross next. Yeah. <laughs> He's we, just, we got ideas. <laughs> Let us know. He's yeah. like one of the unofficial cultural ambassadors to uh, to Miami. If yeah. Like in music video in the world of music videos. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I maybe. But it's just yeah, it's just tricky. Like either, like. I would I would hesitate to, lately. We've been talking a lot about this, but I would hesitate to even say like we make music videos. We've been approached by like more kind of commercial entities where like the budgets are bigger and things like that. But we find that it's like it's so weird. Like it's just like being a commercial director at that point, where like they want a certain thing and they have a like it's not fun anymore. They and give you a script sometimes, yeah. and they're like, "We need this shot," and it could be anyone making it. Yeah. So what's the point of hiring? Don't hire us for that. I mean, if they want to have more fun or experiment or kind of reinvent themselves then we're more up to that yeah, so now we have a disclaimer on all our pitches like before we even like engage with anyone where it's it's like we're not going to make you like a commercial music video we're going to make um a video like video art for lack of a better term that interprets your music in some way so let it like so if you're not down to like play around and let us have fun with your identity and your quote-unquote like brand whatever it is and don't like waste yeah we don't want to waste their time and, so that, and you think that kind of spawns from, you know, you guys originally making stuff for yourself first and then trying to yeah. appeal to other it's people next. It's assuming that other people would be down to, to have fun experiment. And I suppose it's a lot because we're asking people to trust us um, based on our other work or, like, the yeah. success of other projects that were fine because there was trust. But now I guess people are so they're so attached to their image that's been manufactured by their previous work or their or their agents or managers that they're just like become so lame and they, they don't want to they're just so scared I think everyone's so scared that they're gonna screw up what they've been working on instead of grow and become something new that they didn't even know they could become and it's not like there's even real money in mid mid level music videos anymore you have to be making Lady Gaga videos to even get like a substantial budget so we don't see like. At this point, we're just kind of like A and R Jacuzzi Boys. Like those videos, we had fun on those. Yeah. Those are our friends, and they trust us. So we'd rather just kind of. It's cooler do that. when you can have. There's a really great song you know about, and then you could ask the, like then you start a dialogue with the with the labeler or with the musician, being like, what What do you guys have for this? What are you thinking? Because then it also we're going to have to listen to it over a hundred times. <laughs> right. If it's a shitty song, a hundred times deep, we want to. Shove things in our ears. I, I still love the ANR song. Yeah, and the ANR. Yeah, and Glee is still an awesome song. Like to me, I still kind of get hyped listening to that. But when you hear it for the first time, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> how is it gonna feel hearing it for the four hundredth time? Yeah. It's, it's bad. just like it's, it's interesting. You, you guys' project is really interesting right now. It's like music videos are in this weird place. Like I don't know. Where like it, it has become sort of stratified like that, where there's the people doing it for five hundred bucks, like just you know, with the seven D running around, and then there's just like only a few doing the Lady Gaga Rick Ross streak. Yeah, there's this whole like they just the Universal Music Group just had you know, struck a deal with the Music Publishers Association so that artists can now get revenues from people playing music videos just to get on the radio. Oh neat. So there's this whole movement on that they're starting to realize that they're big revenue generators but you're right there is like there's all sorts of different strata but there's really amazing stuff being made in all of them I think which is which is good um, uh, at all at all at all levels I think um, it's also some crap too <laughs> yeah yeah um, some, some of that crap is awesome <laughs> yeah it is actually yeah um, which is why when we, we first saw Glee's and we're like, oh my god, this is like, uh, I forgot what we were going to say. It's, it's, got like a, it's got a charm that it's, it, it, like, it could have came from anywhere, and like, that, that Glazen video, like, it definitely, like, I don't know, it, that's what, I mean, we call it folklore, I mean, because it really kind of, like, carries it with, it's like a Blair Witch Project kind of thing for us, where it's just, like, like, it, for so long, we thought that that was true, like, <laughs> We're, like we weren't disappointed or anything when we found it wasn't obviously because like it doesn't make it like it, may, it, would, it wasn't like animatronic or anything like that <laughs> no but. no it's totally accessible well yeah, yeah. I don't know about accessible but it's totally doable yeah 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 you, anyone could have done it right and it's the same thing with grandma like, anyone could have well yeah well no at, at least it gives like 
Yeah, it is kind of folk where anyone could like at least have the idea where they can. Oh, I, I have a vagina. I can like <laughs> right. crayons. Yeah, do it yourself like, style because yeah. we are literally doing it ourselves. We yeah. don't have a team of of tons of interns and teams of like departments. It's, yeah, it's us, us and, our and friends. some friends. Yeah, it is do it yourself. That's why it has that charm. It's not a charm. It's real. <laughs> we really are just trying to tie vaginas and string together and make them talk. I know everyone's like, oh wow, um, that's amazing. How did you build those puppets? And I was like, oh, what are you? I don't know what you're talking about. Does that even mean? I was like, real. It took years. Yeah, <laughs> it took right. years. For the legs. Although it took 18 years to get those vaginas ready. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Buena Vista Cafe something like that it's difficult yeah that's uh, near the design district it was close it's very hard there our parking however was not close no no it's tough to park around there although on the when when the restaurant we went to a few hours after we uh, got some good parking it was nice parking yeah parking we have filmed insert has some issues with parking back um, I got my I got my rental car towed on the second trip in LA, um, while while at the OMG camp, uh, parking and down, downtown uh, parking and filmed insert uh, did not go together well. And you got a huge van when we went there to. Um... Not, well, not when my car got towed. I had a sweet Impala which I was riding clean in, but um, it uh, it just me... didn't didn't Sorry, work out. I'm, no, I'm, I'm wondering about saying... the riding dirty versus clean. Can you explain that to me? Well, I don't think that I, uh, at least in my with the way I was using it just now, they're not necessarily opposites of one another. Uh, riding dirty means that you have something illegal on you, typically guns or drugs, mm. uh, but it could be stowaways, whatever. You're breaking the law. You're riding dirty. Um, riding clean can just mean that you're like your shit. Your shit's clean. Like you're pretty dope. Like you're like you have you have a nice car. Freshly showered. That could, I mean, and then, and then the literal sense, yeah. If you're riding clean, it means you're right out of the shower. Maybe your car's right out of the car wash. But in in riding clean versus riding dirty, in this sense that we're talking about, I think riding clean would just mean like you have you have a very nice car. Is a Prius count as a nice car? Yeah. Okay. Of course, you're riding clean all day, and you also are riding clean because there are very low emissions. Hmm. So that you have the Prius's new like slogan, "Ride and clean so Prius." The, you have the the fourth way. The fourth way to ride clean <laughs> is you in your Prius, uh, and then of course the uh, um, the filmed insert equivalent of ride and clean is picks of the week. So perfect. There we go. Who wants to go first? You, you, you do. <clears throat> okay. Well, I'm gonna pick a video that was pretty high profile this week, which is "Freedom at 21" by Jack White. Directed by Hype Williams, and so we all. This is um, Jack White's solo record, Blunderbuss, and I believe that this is the third video off of that album. We talked to no, actually, it's the yes, the third video off that album. Um, Behind Sixteen Saltines, directed by A. G. Rojas, who was on uh, one of the episodes of this very podcast, and Love Interruption, which was directed by Jack White himself. The um, Hype Williams is a very well-known director name, but he's mainly, I guess, pretty much almost singularly known for his hip-hop videos. Um, from the amazing We Want Money, Bitches with Problems, which we discussed on the podcast before, to a lot of Kanye West videos, um, Busta Rhymes, Nicki Minaj, and Taurus B.I.G., a lot of classic hip-hop videos. Um, this is one of his few rock videos, because this is a very rock song, and it features... Um, Mr. Jack White driving around fast in a um, what's the name of the car again? Hemi Cami, Hemi 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 Cuda, Hemi Cuda, right? So it, this reminds me a little bit of the uh, Little Wayne Mrs. Officer song because he is speeding in his car and gets pulled over by a um, sexy female cop and goes to jail and uh, there's a bit of a standoff at the end. Um, but the, I guess the plotline really is what's important here. It's the whole style of it, which is. Not probably not coincidentally, um, kind of one of the, the main factors of hip hop videos as well. But there's a, a few just kind of strange, kind of breaking of that Jack White mold. When he's in the prison there, 
they, they have this, you know, shot of him in a room, but he's kind of dressed up. He looks like, um, he's got like a, a leather jacket on. He's got these, you know, different kind of glasses on. He just is styled very differently than he usually is. Um, and he's also playing a Stratocaster. Um, and if you're familiar with the guitar, Stratocaster is like what Eric Clapton plays. Um, it's a very, like, clean guitar. Um, you get like a very clean tone out of it. You can be distorted, but Jack White is really famous for playing. Um, you know, like it, one of his famous guitars is uh, Airline Guitar, which was sold in the Sears catalogs in the 1950s. If you've ever seen the Seven Nation Army video, that's the guitar that's featured in that. Um, and he's very famous for playing these kind of old, crappy guitars um, that he uses to get a really unique sound out of, which it sounds like he's using. On this on this track, so it's really strange to see him playing it. This kind of Stratocaster styled, like he not he isn't normally um, in this video, and, and that's uh, that's what I find interesting about that. So that's my pick, Mr. Hype Williams, bringing us Jack White Freedom at 21. You can cut that down a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I may or may not. I might just let it ride. I mean, you did burp during a word. So uh, that... Oh, really? No, I didn't. Oh, maybe he didn't. Um, but keeping the part about the whole air guitar part. That's, that's yeah, I'll I'm definitely keep the part where you talk about the music video for a couple of minutes, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> you got one, Doug? I do. It can't do. be a Shaquille O'Neal video, can it? It's it? not. It isn't a Shaquille O'Neal video. Uh, um, it, it, took a lot of, it took a lot of myself to not pick a, a Shaq video. I really wanted to. Um, um, but instead, I picked something different. Uh, my pick of the week is by a group called UGK and the song is called International Players Anthem in parentheses I Choose You. This song features Outcast and the beat is produced by 3-6 Mafia and it takes place in a the uh, fictitious wedding of Andre 3000. It starts out in kind of like the the men the groomsmen and Andre the fake groom are uh getting ready for the wedding and uh bun b pimp c dj paul and juicy j are all kind of at, kind of you know trying to convince him naturally not to get married which is what all men do adam if you recall uh i spent a large portion of your wedding day trying to convince you not to get married and and making fun of your clothes like uh yeah, i almost like, did it too you were close yeah right exactly like ugk and and 3-6 Mafia due to Andre here. But despite their objections and protests, of course, Andre moves forward with the wedding. And um, this this song, you know, rap, rap during the, this era, you know what I mean? They would mix, acts would mix. And, and although this is a UGK song, it's, you know, just as much an outcast song, just as much a 3-6 Mafia song. So, um, you know, hip hop videos are, are notoriously kind of cliche and and simple for the most part um especially hip-hop videos of this era and i think that on paper this one is it's like a fake wedding you know they try to get him not to and then like there's a wedding and a party and it's just dancing and bitches and bishop don magic wand throw those guys in the mix and you've got a rap video but i think that the charisma in the characters um particularly those of outcast just carries this puppy through and makes it a great video um but seriously i could just i probably listened to it a hundred watched it a hundred times just to hear the song this is a great song so just do that right you know but um 2007's international players anthem i choose you by ugk my pick of the week now is an anthem is that like an official choice is there a committee that comes out and says this is the 2007 international players anthem yeah the international players all get together um the late great pimp c uh gets in front of the room and says um this my friends will be the international players anthem from now until eternity and he presses play on at that time was a cd player and all of the international players in the room of course like i said bishop don magic one uh ice t is in there you know all the famous pimps and players that we all know from TV um, are there from TV and from prostitution uh, are are there and they're and they're talking you know they're just determining what song and it's the second the second that sweet James Jones press play um, 
it was clear that this was gonna be the song, and it is, and it still is today, to this day, five years strong. So check it out, my big of the week. I feel like that's close to a national anthem in a little way. I mean, anthem, anthem is something I don't I hesitate to throw around lightly. It's an important term. Yeah, um, this this is this is my national anthem, at least. Tell me you're my national anthem. You're my national anthem. It's a it's in the Lana Del Rey song. Oh, oh, I get it. Gosh, always know, two, so always, always two steps ahead. Always two <clears> steps <throat> ahead. So. Here's my next step. I'm gonna say good night, good luck, to everybody. It's a weird way to end this podcast, but that anyway, is, yeah, that assumes that people listen at night, which is would be weird. <laughs> so if you want to get us on Twitter, and I do mean get us, like coroners. You gotta come down to Raleigh, North Carolina and Boynton Beach, Florida. Or you can just go to twitter.com slash filmedinsert. Just as we said before, literally any website. Um, you know, hotmilfs.com slash filmedinsert. Um, thedugmovement.com slash filmedinsert. Um, anything, including facebook.com slash filmedinsert. And, you know, do your likes and stuff there. Um, like it up, make a li- make a like happen. Make them, yeah. Do do a like or do a review of our podcast on the thing uh, to show that other people listen to it. Um, just besides uh, Doug's dogs, because all of Doug's dogs or cats have uh, Facebook and iTunes accounts, which they comment and rate on things. Doug runs a very low rate of return. Um, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter like or and retweet service. So you you can pay him five dollars and you'll get three. And um, I and, and I also yeah you get guaranteed three though. <laughs> it's a guaranteed three. So and I'm looking to get into that music video promotion racket too. I will put your video on the YouTube's. I'll upload it right up. Just you'll make just, sure it's the right format. <laughs> I, no, I won't do that. and send it out to people.